G'day everyone and welcome to the House of Mario. I'm Drew Agnew and this encore, we wrap up our Pokemon journey across all the regions by exploring the Galar region that was introduced in Pokemon Sword and Shield in 2019. And I mean, looking forward to this one. This is our end. This is our stop to exploring all of the regions. All eight regions as of 2021 at least. We've uh, gone across them all, we've explored them, we've talked about the characters, the locations, and now Galar is the very last one. And i got to say, guys, you know, Pokemon Sword and Shield, it cops some shit. It honestly does. But the Galar region is honestly one of my favourite ones. I don't know where it's going to rank. We're going to do that at the end of this series. But, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be up there, guys. It's based on the UK, so... I really love how it sort of embraced their culture and especially their sports culture. I always really wanted a Pokemon game to really take its battling and competitive nature seriously. And, you know, just with the stadiums and all of that that uh, this game encapsulates is absolutely awesome. So as a Pokemon fan, I'm absolutely stoked that they were able to, you know, take on the, the UK. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. I know a lot of people might be like, you know what? It hasn't been that long since Sword and Shield. But guys, guys, it's coming up to two years. I don't know if you notice how quick time is going, but we're coming up to brand new Pokemon games at the stage of recording this. Looking forward to them. But, you know, we've um, we've come to a point where it's like, you know, just... I think, I think I'm just getting old. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm just trying to articulate that I'm getting old and it's... Uh, it's no good. It's making me feel feel a bit rough. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, as a kid, if two years goes by, you know, that's a, that's a massive amount of time. I would have played these games about five times, I reckon. But Gala, I reckon I've only played through it once, but I've, you know, been in the world a lot. I've been going to the towns. DLC came out, which was awesome to see. A first time for the Pokemon series, which was a... Uh, it's hopefully something that I hope never goes away. It's an absolutely fantastic thing. I know it's so basic. A lot of other game franchises, you might be like, I'm sick of DLC. I'm sick of you trying to sell me costumes and all of this stuff. I'm sick of season passes. I'm sick of battle passes. Uh, I'm sick of all of that. But for Pokemon, just give it to us. Give us some more content. For goodness sakes. I know Game Freak are on a bit of a, a tight schedule. So if you want to, you know, keep pumping out some money, pump out some more content and chuck it into me. So, like, you know, the Isle of Armor and the, the Crown Tundra, this, they were really great to go and explore. Brand new Pokemon, obviously, the Crown Tundra being the big uh, update uh, later the, the year after. So, that was, a you know, a bit of a highlight of 2020 for me, just the Pokemon DLC, which is really cool. And rolling into this year, some brand new Pokemon games as well. But anyway, enough of that. So, let's uh, let's talk a bit about the Galar region itself, a bit of uh, context, a bit of history, all of that stuff. So, uh, Galar is based on the UK, with the region, region focusing heavily on the uh, island of Great Britain. It's flipped upside down, and it's being viewed from the north. So, it's like looking at Britain on the real world map, but it's flipped upside down. And it's interesting because the Galar region is like a very different shape to a lot of other, a lot of other regions as well. Um, say the first tree from Kanto to Holland, you're sort of like going a bit of a path, like just like a zigzag sort of around the place. And you know, the, it actually started going around in a big circle and Kalos as well was like a big circle. You're sort of going around the main city, which is located in the middle. And I was getting a bit worried at that point. I'm like, you know, these regions are getting a bit boring just to look at from a map. 
Um, but, you know, Gala, and it's, it's pretty basic in its design, but it's like a big vertical region where you travel from the very beginning town, Postwick Town, from the bottom right up to the, the top where you eventually go to the League Cup and become the champion. Spoiler alert, become you become a Pokemon champion. Congratulations. Uh, a bit more, <laughs> give you a bit of confidence for the future. You know, you'll uh, you'll train your starter Pokemon. You'll be, you'll be <laughs> very well off for doing so. So yeah, um, it's a absolutely awesome region. I absolutely love, like I mentioned before, just uh, how all the gyms are based off like football stadiums and how there's a crowd, people care about it. They're watching it on the TV. The culture is just entrenched in this battling, which like in, you know, the <laughs> the real UK, everyone's nuts about football. They're all, you know, you got your skinheads, you got your Liverpool fans, you got, you know, you got... <laughs> Don't offend anyone out there. I'm um I'm really into I'm really into I'm going to say soccer because that's what everyone calls it here because uh, the local Australian football league that's called footy here, and I don't want to upset anyone. You know, yeah, I I, I think you know soccer is the real football, it's the world game, but uh, nevertheless, I know some Australians out there in my area might be like, mm, I don't know about it, that Drew, but it's just so cool to see them being like entrenched in this uh, in this culture. So let's jump into some trivia. We've been doing this for every episode to start off with, and it just puts out some interesting facts, uh, stuff you might not have known. This is from Bulbapedia. It's just been an absolutely fantastic resource for looking up the land of Pokemon across this journey. So let's start off. So Gala is the only core series region to have all the gym badges named after their respective gym's types, to not have a Pokemon Academy, to not have a Victory Road, to not have an Elite Four, although the Trainer Cup, it actually does have like, you know, participants which are kind of like the Elite Four, but they're not an official Elite Four. Uh, contain no sediments for end in city or town in their English names, which I don't. Yeah, because I got the soundtrack and they all end in town, so I'm not sure. I know like Postwick is like in this uh, soundtrack I've got to play along to. It's, it says like Postwick Town, but I don't know if that's on the on the soundtrack's fault or not, but anyway. Uh, the names of the cities and the towns are centered around terminologies relating to sport. Yes. Uh, uh, introduced no mythical Pokemon at the time of it, of its release. Contain a single landmass with a map that does not fit on the screen. Previous regions with multiple maps either contained or were um, all on one map. Introduce four fossils. Uh, most of the... Uh, introduce four fossils, the most of any region so far. But despite this, um, it doesn't take over Kanto because their fossils actually have evolutions, whereas the Galarian fossils do not have any evolutions. Um, Also, for the first time, none of the introduced uh, fossil Pokemon are rock type and are capable of breeding or have genders. So, yeah, you can't breed these because... Um, is based off uh, mistakes, I guess, archaeologists. Yeah, archaeologists. I can't get it out. Sorry, guys, when I'm talking this much, some words just don't come out. But you know what I mean. Um, Some of the fossils they found, they sort of mixed them up and put like, you know, different heads on different bodies. And that's, um, that's like an interesting story. So basically for these Pokemon, they've got like, you know, they mixed up like this fish Pokemon with this dinosaur Pokemon and, you know, merged the two together, which was a really cool idea for the fossils actually. Uh, um, 
Also, for the first time, none of the introduced folk, uh, fossil Pokemon, oh yes, a rock, uh, have two gym leaders to resign from their post over the course of a single game's plot, not have an anime series solely dedicated to Ash Caption, Catchem, uh, fully exploring the region on a journey, not have a status healing local specialty food item, although you can cook your own curry, which was introduced in these games, uh, not have a male Pokemon professor, uh, Gala is the first region to have a dark type gym. Gala has the fewest number of routes of any core uh, core series region with a total of 10. Gala is tied with Unova for having the most gym leaders with a total of 14. So we've got six extra gym leaders on top of the, the eight gyms in the game. And through like going through the game, some gyms have different gym leaders depending on what version of the game you're playing. And that's very much tied to the leaderboard as far as like the whole football theme for the battling goes. So gym leaders will actually try and battle to for their right to be a gym leader. And depending on where they are on the ladder, that's the that's the sort of order you go in when you're going throughout the Gala region. So yeah, it's um it's awesome. Um, in the anime, Gala is constantly depicted to be cloudy grey with a, cl- a cloudy grey sky, just like. UK, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty shit weather. Um, but it's interesting because in the games, you know, you get all types of weather, but, you know, in the anime, that's what they say. A swimmer on Gallo Route 9 states that they are a swimming expert and they can swim all the way to the Kalos region. And that's interesting because Kalos is based off France. So in the real world, um, UK and France are divided just by one sea. So. You know, you could you could swim over it if you're a very good swimmer, and yeah, so that's pretty much the the uh, trivia for that one. So let's jump into it. So one of the most important parts of any Pokemon generation is, of course, the Pokemon themselves. The Pokemon themselves are introduced in these games. Uh, some of the more exciting aspects of a brand new Pokemon generation coming out. The brand new starter Pokemon. The brand new Pokemon we'll find in the grass, the legendary Pokemon, all of that. So I'm going to go over some of my favorites, not all of them, but there were 89 brand new Pokemon introduced in Pokemon Sword and Shield when they came out, um, including some of the legendary Pokemon that are included in the Crown, uh, <laughs> the Crown Tundra as well. So um, let's start off with the starter Pokemon. So we've got Grookey, which is uh, such a cute Pokemon. This is the Pokemon that I started off with. And uh, I really, really love this Pokemon. It's a uh, grass type. It's uh, a monkey, which is really cool. It's got a stick, which uh, kind of gives hints to its evolutions. Um, we got the rumors going around back when these games were um, just announced. So we just knew the starter Pokemon and Zashi and Z- Zamazenta, the legendary Pokemon on the, the front cover. And we saw the stick and it's like hitting and doing a bit of a beat. And we're like, oh, this uh, this is going to evolve into a big bloody ape with a drum, isn't it? And it does. So it evolves into Thwacky with a with two sticks. <laughs> it's got like a, a bit bit of percussion going on, a bit more a bit more stuff going on. Thwacky, it's just like it's it's one of those middle evolutions, which is such a a teenager stage where it just looks so awkward and weird. I don't know if anyone's like, oh, Thwacky, awesome. But evolving into Rillaboom with a full-on drum. He's got like a, a bass drum with like two toms on the top, pretty much. And uh, I love him, man. He's so cool. He's so cool. Um, your fire starter is Score Bunny, which I really like as well. Um, I was a bit worried that Score Bunny was going to like evolve into a firefighting type again, just from, you know, some of the, 
the kicking sort of attacks that it had. I'm like, oh no, it's not gonna, <laughs> not gonna be another one of these things. It's just like, I just want some originality. There can be. I hope there's never another fire fighting type. Maybe in 20 years, I don't know. You know, with a big gap, I, I'm not so opposed to it. But man. But uh, Score Bunny evolves into Raboot, invented the Cinderace, which is based off a football player. So you, know, the, <laughs> you think um, football is the only thing the the English do over there, but yeah, well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. They've got Sobble, which is, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't have much love for Sobble. I think it's cute enough, but uh, evolving into Drizzile and Inteleon. Inteleon, I don't know, it doesn't really do much for me. I think um, every now and again when I see like Inteleon represented in the anime or something uh, where it's a bit more animated, a bit more, a bit more character into it. I think it's cool. I think it's pretty awesome that it's based off, say, like James Bond, which is a big icon for English entertainment, and uh, something I actually really love as well. So um, that's what Schumann's anyway. He's got like he does like finger guns where he shoots water out of. That's his signature attack, and I think it's just like a really cool concept. Just in the game, he just he's just you know he's just really skinny and tall, and he just sort of stands there. He does he's not really animated enough to really understand what he's all about. But I think like in the anime, that is pretty cool. And yeah, I think he's like one of those Pokemon that will grow on me a bit more. I've had plenty of Pokemon that I'm like, oh, I hate this thing. Um, Metadox, if you're listening to this, you know I, I've said in the past like I hate Embor. And I hate Embor because it comes from a very, <laughs> just a very, just pure frustration out of like following Pokemon than just the the, th- the third generation in a row. But like, all right, it's time for fire fighting type. You can understand where that frustration is coming from. And I can understand why you love it so much. Being black and white is your first game. You're not bringing that baggage in with you. But I don't know. Anyway, where I was going with this is just that Embor, you know, it's grown on me. I um I got, uh, you know, there was, uh, was there a Tepig... Uh, community community day in Pokemon Go, and I got to be honest, like you know, using my I use a pretty good Embor in Pokemon Go a fair bit, and just by using it and seeing it and uh, patting it and feeding it berries and stuff, it's sort of grown on me a bit. So, you know, I I'm, I'm going to say it right now, I don't hate Embor, I don't hate him, he's good. So you know, there's a any Pokemon can be redeemed for me pretty much, just as long as like you just need that connection with them through a game. And uh, I don't have that with Inteleon. I've only played through with Grookey um, once. So, you know, maybe I need to pay my friend Score Bunny and Sobble a bit of a bit of respect and play through the game again. I've been meaning to. I actually re-bought the uh, DLC on a Pokemon Shield, which I um, didn't play. I played through Sword. So I've been meaning to play like a big playthrough through the games, do the DLC before I finish it and um, all that. But I, I haven't yet. Because at the end of the day, you know, when we do the House of Mario, I need to um, sort of play some other stuff instead of just playing Pokemon. Because honestly, I feel like if I didn't do a podcast, I'll just play a lot of Pokemon and Smash Brothers and just like play the same stuff again and again. You know, I want a bit more diversity than that. So it is what it is. Okay, so let's move on from the start of Pokemon. And one of my favorite Pokemon in the game is a Boltund. Uh, really enjoyed using this Pokemon. It evolves from, what's his name again? I've got a, I'll click on him here. I've <laughs> got his name. Oh, Yamper, of course. So, evolves from Yamper. I really love Yamper. And I, I love the fact that it just like evolves into like a completely different dog. Uh, it's an electric type. It's uh, very fast. It's not that... Um, it's not that... It's not particularly that good. It's never used in competitive or anything like that. But nevertheless, I really like it. Um, another Pokemon that I used a lot in my travels was Colossal. 
which uh, is an absolutely awesome Pokemon. I think I feel like they just missed the mark, maybe, maybe just a little bit. So it evolves from um, Roly Coley and then Carcol, uh, uh, because like there was rumors going out when a uh, you know Sword and Shield was just um, just coming in, and I was like, oh. I think the rumors were that it was going to evolve into like a, a steam train. I'm like, oh, that sounds so cool because, you know, a lot of my love for the United Kingdom comes from my my mum and her her parents. My mum was from Britain. She was um, born in Scotland, raised in Britain, and uh, my my grandparents were, uh, I believe, Scottish and British, and they lived in the UK for. Um, their whole lives until my mum went backpacking around Australia and met my dad and moved here and the, I guess the rest was history. Had a little Drewy, and yeah, my um my grandparents actually moved over. I'm their only I was their only grandchild. Um, my mum's sister didn't actually end up having any kids kids, so it was just me. And uh, a lot of their you know a lot of our connection because they they unfortunately they passed away when I was about four. Um, like really, really young before I went to high school, oh, sorry, um, primary school anyway. Um, so I'm not actually sure what age I was, but I might've been three or four. Um, but a lot of my memories was Thomas, the tank engine. I loved Thomas, the tank engine and even, um, even Pokemon actually Pokemon, the first movie came out and I've got one of the only photos I've got of me and my granddad was me holding Pokemon, the first movie on video right next to my granddad. And, um, yeah, it's just a really special memory. So, you know, trains, steam trains in particular, like have a lot of meaning to me. So having a Pokemon based on that was really cool. And i got to admit, when I first saw Colossal, I'm like, oh, man, I wanted to be like steam train wheels in that. That would have been wicked. Like car coal was right on track. It evolves from a little bit of coal to like a, um, a coal cart, you know, na- naughty trucks from Thomas the Tank Engine, anyone? They'll... Another good time, um, and then like evolving into like a full street steam train would have been cool. But it sort of just evolves into like a, you know, a colossus with a, which is burning coal on its back to I guess to energize it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's still a really cool Pokemon. Grew on me through using it just because I love the idea of uh, car coal and uh, roller coley especially. So yeah, a lot of um, a lot of love goes to that Pokemon being a rock fire type as well and having a really interesting ability steam engine which is based off of being a i guess um powered by coal which actually um you know boosts its stats and that depending on if it's been hit by water moves which is pretty cool um next one which is one of my all-time favorite pokemon is applin applin is uh i i love the idea so much being like this little timid dragon which looks like a bug just hiding in this apple poking at its um eyes to look like the the leaves coming up from the apple just such a sweet looking pokemon i loved it so much i i don't know i don't think i had this um yeah this actually i did have it i did have it spoiled for me i saw it before the game's launched through the leaks unfortunately and i just i was looking at just like the still image of it i'm like what the hell is this just an app it looks like an apple because <laughs> you, you can't you can't see the full context of it but then i remember running into it in the wild for the very first time and just like when the camera goes to the back and you just see like its its body and its tail going into this uh, into the apple. I'm like, that is an awesome idea. And it's cool because it's got split evolutions depending on what item you actually use on this thing. So it's got, fl- uh, there's an evolution flapple, which is a, uh, well, they're all grass dragon. And this is uh, the more fast um, option to evolve your applin into. Uh, 
and Flapple. Basically, he explodes out the apple and uses the apple as wings, which is really cool. And then you've got Appleton, which just becomes like a big apple pie. <laughs> oh, I, I really love it, guys. Um, so moving on. So the Sizzle Pea to evolves to Center Scorch, uh, seeing a fire bug Pokemon just in the typing alone is really cool, let alone just like the centipede sort of take on Pokemon. And this was a really fun one to use through going through the Galar region. Um, some of the Galarian evolutions. So we've got uh, um, Cursula, who, who, evolves in, who evolves from Galarian um, Cursula. Uh, no, Corsula, sorry. And I thought this was a really smart idea as well, just like having Corsula, which is a part of the reef, um, become a ghost type because it's dying. You know, global warming, there is a, there's a bit of a message going on here from Game Freak. It evolves into Cursula where its soul just sort of erupts out of it, which is just like, it's really eerie, but it's a cool take. So it's just a pure ghost type. You've got Surfetched, which is a fighting type who evolves from Farfetched, which is nice to see that he got an evolution. Uh, Mr. Rhyme. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Mr. Rhyme, but evolving from Mr. Mime becomes an ice psychic type. Pretty cool little mon. Uh, we got Dreepy, uh, Dracloak, and Dragapult, the pseudo, well, Dragapult being the pseudo legendary of the Gala region, and this is this is unreal. It's such a cool Pokemon. This is going to be one of like the top hundred Pokemon. I don't know. Don't know. Have to be like a top hundred Pokemon, maybe for me. I'm not sure. I haven't done a top hundred list, and I never will. That sounds like a a lot of work. But a Dragon Ghost type is just uh, really interesting. How it uses like little um, Dreepy as its missiles in its head that it <laughs> shoots out at um, its opponents is really cool. And then we got the legendary Pokemon, which I'll touch on a little bit later. All right. So let's talk about some of the, um, the, the brand new features that Generation 8 added to the games. And I think uh, it added a lot of great things to the games, and I'm really happy that it, uh, it did add them. So, start off the big ones, which is Dynamax and Gigantamax. We'll start off with Dynamax first because they're both very similar, but Gigantamax adds a couple more things into the mix. So, uh, Dynamax is a temporary transformation affecting Pokemon that were introduced in Generation 8. Pokemon, uh, sorry, trainers who obtain the Dynamax band are able to Dynamax their Pokemon. According to Professor Magolia, the Pokemon distorts space and changes its size while affecting the world around them. This information has uh, has another special variant known as Gigantamax. So I really enjoyed this sort of, this was their, I guess, battle gimmick for the uh, generation, which, uh, you know, we started off with a Mega Evolution in uh, Gen 6, Gen 7, we got Z-Moves, which I think Z-Moves were by far the, the worst take on it, but you can, you can fight me on that. Um, if you listen to my Alola episode, I've got a lot less to say on Alola than a lot of these other ones, just purely because it's been such a long time since I played them and I haven't played them more than once. I didn't go back and play Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. You know, shoot me, but I'll do it one day. Don't you worry, I'll do it one day. I'll get there. But I really do like uh, Dynamax, mainly because... Uh, it plays a big role in the story, which I think is interesting. And just for competitive battling, whether it's VGC or just playing with your mates, I think it adds a lot of strategy to every Pokemon. Um, you can Dynamax every single Pokemon and it affects them in you know similar ways where each um, each type of a, uh, of 
each type of attack actually becomes like the same attack. So if you've got like, say, hydro pump or surf or whatever, it all becomes the same attack. Um, it just affects the sort of um, the PP of the move as well as like a bit of the strength as well, um, which is really, really cool. So um, unlike, say, Mega Revolution where you had you had about 50 Mega Revolutions all up and, you know, your team had to revolve around one, one of those 50 and you've got over, say, 700 Pokemon. It's a bit of a shame, but you've got to like you've got to limit yourself to move around just this small pool of Pokemon. As cool as the designs were and all of that, just to be able to relive Pokemon from the past that have got brand new, super sane forms, which is really nice. You know, seeing Charizard and Heracross and all of that was really nice. But uh, Gigantamax, you know, that gives us that as well. But just like the basic version of it being Dynamax, I think uh, is um, really great for competitive. And I'd like to see some of this move forward. It doesn't have to be Dynamax, but just any Pokemon to be like your trump card. Um, a lot of competitive play in Generation 8, you know, there's Durant. Durant is not great. You know, it's got a it's got a good ability. I think it was a Hustle um, that a lot of people utilized in competitive play. But, uh, you know, it's typing being a steel bug type, you know, say say, say goodbye to, uh, you know, a fire type attack. Um, but a lot of people were utilizing that because it was really good in Dynamax. And uh, a lot of these Pokemon that probably wouldn't have received a Mega Revolution or a brand new form, they can be really great in Dynamax, which is uh, really nice. And it's funny too because like, you know, talking about Gigantamax, we'll talk about that now, but... You know, Gigantamax didn't actually play as big a role in competitive play as I thought it might. Um, basically, it gives it gives you the ability to use um, special moves that have their own sort of effects that affect battle. But a lot of the time, you know, they people just wanted sort of the standard sort of attacks that you got with your Dynamax, which was um, which was actually pretty crazy to see. And we saw a lot of uh, um, forms in this as well. So we've got Charizard, Butterfree, Pikachu, Meowth, uh, Machamp, Gengar, uh, Kingler, Lapras, Eevee, Snorlax, Garbodor, uh, Melmetal, Corviknight, Orbeetle, Dreadnought, Colossal, Flapple, Appleton, which actually those two share the same, Sandaconda, Toxtricity, Santa Scorch, Hatterena, uh, Grimmsnarl, Alcremie, Copperaja, and Duraludon, as well as some that introduced with the DLC, uh, with the, the Kanto starters and the uh, Gen 8 starters as well, as well as the Urshifu line, which was pretty cool, um, legendary Pokemon. So, yeah, we didn't get like a whole lot, and like, you know, none of these really stood out to be um, the version you wanted. Like, for example, with like Charizard, a lot of people didn't use the Gigantamax version um, because you'd want to run... Um, a Charizard with a, I forgot the name of ability, the ability just off the top of my head, but was it Solar Panel where um, if you have Sun out, you um, you heal a bit of health and your your um, effect for fire type moves, it doesn't put out drought if you're a Gigantamax. It actually just um, hurts the opponent each turn, kind of like um, a flame, flame wheel. Was it Flame Wheel? Yeah. Anyway, uh, fire spin. Sorry, not flame wheel. Yeah, fire spin. Um, so it sort of just had that effect on it, which was uh, you know it just wasn't as good. So yeah, um, a lot of cases you just wanted the normal move. So anyway, that's that's uh, Gigantamaxing and uh, Dynamaxing, which is cool to see. Um, 
so what we got here? I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Wild Area music on because we are talking about the Wild Area here, and uh, this was the biggest sort of uh, I guess feature for the story at least was the Wild Area, and this was Game Freak's first attempt to really open up the world of Pokemon and let you explore and give you a place to come back to every single day and just see what's changed. Um, and, you know, going through the story and getting there for the very first time was really, really awesome. Um, seeing Pokemon in the wild, um, being able to run up to them like you did in Let's Go, Pikachu and Eevee, and also being able to find them normally in the in the grass as well by going up to an exclamation mark and um, activating a battle like you wouldn't Pokemon games from the past. So I really, really love this area. Uh, it does sort of show its uh, flaws though, just in the way, you know, the graphics look and how online works in the wild area. If you turn on, if you go online, you just <laughs> you just uh, start lagging like anything and the performance of the game really goes downhill, which is a shame. But I think for, I guess, Pokemon's first attempt, it was a, it was a really fun idea. And I know that... You know, a lot of other games on Switch, especially, you know, Dragon Quest XI and even the Atelier series and a lot of other JRPGs, you know, they, they do this really well, just letting you explore and seeing stuff in the wild. Um, it's sort of nothing new, but I think in Pokemon, it's a, it's a good step at least. All right, so let's move on to the next one uh, that they introduced in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And this, a lot of these features were really catered to being able to raise competitive Pokemon. So one of the biggest ones was the introduction, introduction of a brand new item called a mint. And these mints, you're able to change the nature of your Pokemon. So you're able to change uh, its stats effectively, which was really great because, you know, whether it's your starter Pokemon or maybe a shiny Pokemon that you found, if it has the wrong nature and you want to do a competitive, uh, competitive battle with it, you know, it's going to be useless. It's going to be thrown in the bin. You're going to have to find another one. Sorry about that, mate. But through this, you're able to hunt down one of these mints. So if you're like, oh, I've, I really want a good attacker and I want an adamant mint, um, you can you can get that and you can put it on your Pokemon to become a good attacker and put down its special attack and vice versa. So any of the 16 natures, you'll be able to chuck it on, which is really, really useful and something that I found really, really fantastic because in the previous generation, there was a, actually an item called the Ability Capsule. So you could change your abilities too. Um, you couldn't go to a hidden ability, which was unfortunate. That is probably one of the things I'd like to see, actually. A hidden ability capsule. So then you're able to get the, the, the hidden nature, or so the hidden ability, which would be fantastic. So, yeah, just a great, great change, which uh, is very, very welcome, especially since uh, I can't seem to find the right natures very easily. I remember... I remember in Heart Gold and Soul Silver trying to find a, a Lavatar, which was just a nightmare. I just wanted an adamant nature. Wasn't looking for a shiny. Wasn't looking for anything like that. But you reckon I could find one? No, I bloody couldn't. All right. So next up, we got Pokemon Camp, which is a pretty cool feature. I never really used it for like the reason it was meant to be used. Uh, basically, you can go into a screen where you see your party of six Pokemon all interacting with one another. You can get toys and feed them curry and all of that type of stuff, pat them, <laughs> just have, have a good time, have a good time with them. Uh, but, you know, it, it's pretty much just one of those things I use when I'm like, oh, i got a brand new Pokemon, I want to see what it looks like, and you can go into Pokemon Camp and just, you know, see how it interacts and all of that. Like, that's where a, a lot of the animations, uh, where a lot of the effort was put into, was Pokemon Camp. And it's interesting because Game Freak's always one of these companies which are like, 
you know, we're not we're not going to uh, we're not going to worry too much. No one sees that. But I feel like you know a lot of people. I don't know how many people use Pokemon Camp, but maybe it's one of those features that like the casual player absolutely adores, and that's where they spend all their time. I'm not quite sure, but a cool feature nevertheless. Um, it's also where you can you can set up a camp and you can make curries. So Gala is known for their curry. Everyone loves curries. I never got into making curry, but there was actually a curry decks where you can make all sorts of recipes and add them to your curry decks, which is pretty cool. So you got a kind of another Pokedex to complete, which is uh, pretty neat. Pretty neat stuff. Always, uh, you know, some of the curries in in this game just looks really weird as well. But mm, yeah, I don't know. Don't know about that. Uh, another feature which I actually completely forgot about until I, you know, was setting up for this episode was called Pokey Jobs. And Pokey Jobs, I'm just going to read this from Serebii because I've actually really forgotten what Poke, Poke Jobs are. But Poke Jobs are the spiritual successor to the Poke Palago and provide a way to pass, passively collect jobs that can boost experience points. This is done at the uh, Rotom PC in all of the Pokemon centers. Each Poke Job can contain. Uh, certain restrictions and requests such as Pokemon who can focus on certain tasks and a certain number of Pokemon can go on an expedition. So cool, cool. So you can send them off for like items and experience points and stuff when you're not actually doing it. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this, but like it, I guess it's useful for when you're going through the story and stuff. But uh, if anyone who's played through these games know that it's so easy to train up your Pokemon uh, especially when you're doing like a fair few raids and stuff and you're getting the candy and you're putting the candy into your Pokemon. Um, post-game, you can get level 100s in five minutes, especially if you're like, you know, you're constantly just grinding for items and stuff. So, you know, it's not it's not hard. <laughs> uh, for, for, for better or for worse, I think uh, it takes a bit of like the, the accomplishment away from like really training up a Pokemon, but at the same time, it just lets you get on with it and actually get into the fun stuff, which is uh, battling. But yeah, that's why Poker Jobs sort of like fell away from me because I'm like, yeah, just don't need to do it. Don't need to do it. I'm sure a lot of you <laughs> forgot about it as well. And of course, effort values were really easy to raise in this game. Um, effort values are basically the the hidden stats for Pokemon. So if you want to really train up a Pokemon and have it a really great competitive um, worth, you can... Um, Train, EV trainer and this was uh, something that was really hard back in the day you would have to grind Pokemon for hours and hours um, for example uh, in Heart Gold for my Tyranitar I killed thousands and thousands of Goldeen because they gave out attack EV basically every Goldeen you killed you got an EV point and 4 EV points makes up an attack stat or whatever stats you're looking to raise so I would have killed thousands of these things and grinding very slowly. And when you actually do go up a level, it goes up for like, you know, by 30 attack. You're like, wow, it's like crazy. Because usually you're used to just going up by the standard two or three or whatever have you. So yeah, that was um, that was pretty cool. But now you can just go and buy like all the stat altering items like, you know, proteins and carbos and irons and that. And they put up a particular stat and you can just go and buy 26 of them put them all into your Pokemon and bam, it's all done. It's all done really quick. So that was <laughs> really useful. And the bre- the breeding mechanics changed as well. So like passing on egg moves is a lot easier. You can pass them on to Pokemon that aren't from eggs, which is really great. Um, but yeah, I don't actually use egg, egg moves too much. 
And uh, I think last year for the, the features I wanted to point out was just marks on wild Pokemon. So from time to time, you'll catch a Pokemon that has a certain mark on it. This mark acts like a ribbon in that it appears to be on the status screen when your Pokemon achieves a certain thing, uh, most of which are determined on capture. So these mark marks uh, just sort of randomly come up when you catch a Pokemon. Um, you can't get them through eggs or any other methods. I believe you have to catch them. And what's cool about them is if like it comes up and for example, there's a mark called lunchtime and it would actually say like um, the title would be like the peckish and say if you got that uh, mark on a Magikarp, it will say the peckish, it will say like a go Magikarp the peckish, which is pretty cool. So it adds like a bit more personality to your Pokemon, but you bit, bit more uniqueness and you can't just add them willy nilly as well. Marks are like the one thing that they've uh, put in to try and remain sacred, I guess. Like you can do whatever you want to the stats. You can change abilities. You can do all this stuff. But if, if you want a truly rare Pokemon, it's got to be caught and it's got to randomly have this mark. So like some of these, um, if you put a mark charm on, for example, there's a mark charm in the game, which you get through the DLC. But... Uh, for for the first one here, which is which is a lunchtime mark, it's one in fifty chance. But there's other ones which are like one in a hundred. Then there's others which are one in a uh, thousand, which is um, yeah, which is pretty nuts, pretty nuts stuff. So yeah, marks are cool. I know like a lot of people don't care about them, but just um, I know for me it is worth it is worth it because you know Pokemon's all about collecting and um, having fun with it that way. All right, let's talk about the legendary Pokemon, starting off with the the Pokemon that are on the box art. So my favorite one, Zacian from Pokemon Sword, is really cool. So he's the mascot of Pokemon Sword, and he's one of the uh, hero duo, which includes uh, Zamazenta as well. And uh, according to legends, uh, Zacian is believed to be either the elder sister of the rival or the rival of Zamazenta. It is also known as the Fairy King's Sword uh, by friends and foes due to it being able to cut, cut down anything in one strike. It can turn itself into a statue in order to slumber until needed uh, and is uh, capable of flying. There you go, I didn't know that. Uh, when together with Zamazenta, it can negate the power of Eternatus and even in its uh, Eternamax state by absorbing the metal particles in the land, it can change its form. It can also cast illusions, including a, a projection of itself even when asleep. So I actually love this Pokemon. I know when it first got announced, everyone was sort of like, uh, why is it a dog with a sword? But it's so cool. It's so cool. And actually has two different forms when it doesn't have the sword. So it's the hero of many battles when it doesn't have the uh, the rusted sword. And, you know, it looks a bit more ragged. Like it's, you know, it's seen some shit. It's got like a bit of its ear cut off. And it's, you know, it's seen, it's seen many battles, <laughs> which I guess is uh, in the name. But when it's got the rusted sword, it becomes um, the, uh, the crowned sword um, form, which looks a lot more, I guess, magnificent in that. And I think it's a absolute cool Pokemon. I think it's awesome. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, that is wicked. I know like a lot of people sort of might compare it to some uh, Dark Souls, a Dark Souls boss. Not that I'm all that uh, aware of the Dark Souls series, but I think it's, um, I think it's just like a cool little myth. Um, so next up is uh, Zamazenta. Zamazenta is a fighting steel type. Um, I didn't say what uh, Zashin was. He was uh, 
a steel fairy type. So Zamazenta, he is on the um, Pokemon Shield box art. And the crowned shield uh, from uh, Zamazenta uh, generates a set of golden armor covering the front of its body like a shield. Uh, while the side portion normally covers its forelimbs, it can slide forward and allow Zamazenta to use Behemoth Bash or protect itself from frontal, frontal attacks more effectively. Its ponytail also grows to cover most of its backside. By ex- absorbing uh, metal particles, Zamazenta can change into its other form in battle. In Legends, it is known as the Fighting Master's Shield due to the ability ability to deflect any attacks. Zamazenta is both feared and respected by all. By becoming a statue, it can rest for eons, even when asleep. It can cast uh, illusions, um, including a projection of itself. Zamazenta is capable of flying. It is uh, variously believed to be the youngest sibling or the rival of Zacian. Uh, when together with Zashian, it cancels out the power of Eternatus and becomes even more, um, even in the more powerful uh, Eternamax state. So, yeah, I think these Pokemon are really cool. Based off Wolves, look really cool. Um, they've got a, a nice little backstory behind them as well. Um, the normal state of, uh, um, of this Pokemon is the hero of many battles, which is the same. Then it becomes the crowned shield. Just looking a lot more majestic again with an actual actual protection to itself. So pretty cool, pretty cool. Okay. Next up, we got Eternatus, which is I guess <laughs> guess like the first evil legendary Pokemon. So it's um, a dual poison dragon legendary Pokemon that was introduced in Generation Eight. And while it's not known to evolve into any other Pokemon, the, the player battles a powered-up form of Eternatus name uh, known as Eternamax Eternatus in the climax of Pokemon Sword and Shield. The form is also briefly seen when it uses its signature move, Eterna Beam, but cannot be acquired legitimately in the game, which is a, which is a bit sad. So if Eternatus absorbs enough amount of energy at once, it will enter Eternamax form becoming far larger in size. Eternatus is also brief, also briefly enter this form when using its signature move, Eternabeam. In this form, Eternatus's shape drastically changes its body and becomes incredibly long and with most of its body forming in a massive roll. Mm, in a massive roll. Not, not one that you get from the bakery though. Its entire body glows red in this form and a... Pre- present in irregular intervals across its length and black rings with spikes extending backwards. So Eternatus serves as a source of Dynamax and Gigantamax phenomena in Galar due to its power leaking out in the form of Galar uh, particles following its defeat thousands of years ago when, uh, by Zashian and Zamazenta. Pieces of its body embedded with its power rain down throughout Gala in the form of wishing pieces and wishing stars. Uh, when it is awake, Eternatus causes a phenomenon dubbed as the darkest day, which in the massive quantities of uh, Dynamax energy, it unleashes causes Pokemon to uh, Dynamax and ramp- Rampage uncontrollably. It can also sometimes keep other Pokemon from Dynamaxing in its presence. Despite this, Connection to the phenomenon, it cannot be Dynamax itself, as Eternamax form replaces that effect. Eternatus has been referred to as the darkest day 
So, yeah, a lot of uh, sort of story going on revolving around this, and this was a Pokemon which we didn't know about and uh, is actually like one of the first sort of evil Pokemon as well. So let's talk a bit, little bit about The Darkest Day, which, uh, you know, is a, is a bit scary, a bit scary stuff. So, <laughs> uh, the Darkest Day is a black storm that covered, covered, covered the Galar region 3,000 years prior to the, event, the events of Pokemon Sword Shield. During the course of the story, Rose deliberately causes another occurrence of an ill-advised effect to replenish Galar's Dynamax energy. And this was a big fuck up by uh, Chairman Rose in the game, which was a character we'll talk about coming up soon. But basically, he runs the uh, the Galar region's electricity source, and he wanted Galar to n- never run out of electricity, so th- he he puts the darkest day. This this is the bit of the story that like really falls apart. It's like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> um. But like, you know, the, the whole thing about Zashin Zamazenta, a turn of this, this event that happened years ago, it really did keep me sort of entertained and wanting to know what happens in the rest of the game. So I'm just going to read the history section here in Bulbapedia. So 3,000 years ago, when a turn of this attempted to stay alive by absorbing Galar's energy, it caused a red light to appear. This resulted in the darkest day. This phenomenon was a, f- a form of black storm caused by the Pokemon to Dynamax and Gigantamax. However, they went berserk in the process, almost destroying the region. The event ended when Eternatus was defeated by Zashin and Zamazenta. In the present day, Rose aims to use Eternatus energy to bring about the second darkest day above Hammerlock Stadium to advert any Dynamax energy shortage predicted to happen after a thousand years. So that was, that was the bit which, which um, really had us wondering like what the hell is happening in the story because chairman rose is like oh we've got we've got to we're going to run out in energy in a thousand years a thousand years that is going to see i don't know like 15 generations of your family out sir like you know you've got you've got time maybe maybe in that time, you'll figure out some different power source. Like all the other regions, they've got a different power source. <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure it out. Uh, so Sonia has also conducted research into the darkest day. She learns uh, that the event was connected to the one Pokemon and that's the two heroes of Galar were not humans, but rather Pokemon. Rose awakens to turn of this during the time the player and Leon are about to have the championship match. However, they could not control it. So a turn of this caused the darkest day to happen again, affecting all the power spots in the region. When the player defeats a turn of this for the first time, it absorbs all of the energy in the Galar to achieve the Eternamax state, farther speeding up the darkest day. The player and Hop uh, then bring out the rusted sword and shield with hopes of stopping a turn of this. This results in Zashi and Zamazenta awakening and coming to the raid. The four work together to defeat the Eternatus in maxed raid battle before the player catches it, thus putting an end to the darkest day. So this is um, this is the part of the game, this is the part of the story in particular where I really do have an issue with it, where it is just, it is so silly. It's like, it's, it's not silly in a Pokemon way, it's not silly in a haha, this is a, this is a story written for kids, so, you know, it's not that deep or it's, you know, pretty straightforward, and you can see the you can see the plot twist coming because we could all see the plot twist coming. We knew, you know, the big chairman Rose figure was going to be the bad guy. 
even if his sort of motives are like, oh, look, he's putting the region first, but he's also bringing about the darkest day. Uh, that's that's that is not going to help anyone. So it's just um just really fucking weird. <laughs> I don't know what they were, what they were thinking, especially like a thousand years. Like if maybe like oh look, we're going to run out of like a power source right now. This has been something I've been worried for the last twenty years, and today is the day. And when we run out when when we run out of energy, we are fucked. Like Pokemon, they're going to die. Humans are not going to be able to feed themselves. Not going to be able to operate their machinery to, you know produce crops and stuff and like it's got to happen now and then like the player could be like played with them say hey look we we can we can come up with a new energy source we don't have to rely on dynamax energy anymore uh this is just too dangerous but no it's like in a thousand years it was like because the funny bit was like the champion leon he was he was like, yeah, look, 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 man, that's fine, that's fine. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. Just not, not right now. There's a, there's a championship match on. I've got to be there. But they're just like, no, nah, man, no, nah, no. Nah. We've got to, we to do it right now. Which is, I don't know. Anyway, that's a bit of the story. Which I just, it just falls apart for me. Which is just annoying. <laughs> but anyway, that's the darkest day covered and the three main Pokemon. So, um. We got Cub Food, which was introduced in the first DLC pack, the Isle of Armor, and it's pretty cool because it evolves into two different uh, versions of Urshifu. One being the single strike style, the other one being the rapid st- uh, rapid strike style. One being a uh, sorry, the the single strike style being the the dark type, and rapid strike being the water type. And uh, yeah, pretty cool Pokemon. Um, Urshifu also was like you know it was pretty much built for competitive play as well. Um, so pretty cool to see. I'm like, it's classified as a, it is classified as a legendary Pokemon, but I really don't see it as a legendary Pokemon. It's just like, you know, since generation six, they've been really introducing legendary Pokemon that evolve because like, you know, you got the, the pre-evolutions of Solgaleo and Lunala in the, in generation seven. And now like, you know, technically Urshifu is a, is a legendary Pokemon as well, but has a pre-evolution but, you know, I'm not against that. That's pretty cool. You got brand new forms for the Reggie trio, uh, trio as well. You got Reggie Alecki, which is an electric type. And you got Reggie Draco, which is a, a dragon type. These two Pokemon were introduced in the Crown Tundra. And you've got some really interesting Pokemon as well. So um, you got Galarista, which is a ice ice type Pokemon. It's a, like an ice horse, which look, it looks a little bit vanilla. And then you've got uh, a Spectria as well, which is a, a dark type horse Pokemon. And like, you know, it they look like a little bit vanilla, but then you sort of find out when you go throughout the game as well, once you get into the Crown Tundra, that they actually are like that because I guess they have a form with another Pokemon called Calyrex. And Calyrex, you can actually combine with these Pokemon to become an Ice Rider form or the Shadow Rider form. So this Calyrex with like this massive head and like this weird limp body and it's sort of like maybe like a deer or like a goat or something like head just sits upon it and becomes becomes stronger. But Calyrex is interesting because it's like it's it's the king Pokemon, which I guess is the the king of the Crown Tundra. So while it's not known to evolve any other Pokemon, but it, uh, but it has two forms, which are activated by using the Reigns of Unity on either Galarista or Spectria. Um, are resulting in the process that removes 
Glorista or Spectre from the party until the fusion is undone. Then it'll become the Ice Rider Pokemon and uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, despite these fusions, it is possible. So you can put them in Pokemon, can't put them in Pokemon Home. Uh, Calyrex is said to have ruled Galar in ancient times as a merciful king. Despite uh, its delicate and slight appearance, it can move with grace and dignity. It is known to have a high intelligence. Calyrex is also one of the few Pokemon to be able to fluently understand and uh, telepathy, use telepathy uh, to communicate with the human language. It also has the power to see the past, present, and future of any kind when at full power. One legend said Calyrex used its foresight ability to save creatures from a forest from a meteor one time. One fairy tale even mentions Calyrex stealing, stealing a body of a human that causes um, that uh, caused mischief. Calyrex has the ability to take control of a human's body in order to communicate and speak um, with telepathy when at full power. So that's what the, that's what the little bit of a story you follow this Pokemon in the Crown Tundra is about, where you're actually trying to get Calyrex's power back by doing some you know tasks and stuff, which is pretty cool. So cool Pokemon overall, I quite enjoy it. It's really weird looking, but it's got a nice story to it, which I really enjoyed in the DLC actually doing some of these stories. And we've got the Galarian forms of the Kanto legendary birds, so Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. Really nice, really nice. Pokemon, so uh, Articuno becoming a psychic type, Zapdos becoming a fighting type, and Moltres becoming a dark type, all ke- keeping their flying typing as well. I, I, I just loved the idea, idea of collecting these Pokemon, going across the, the Crown Tundra, and even even the, uh, I think, yeah, Zapdos was in the, the, the wild area as well, which is really cool. So just like seeing these uh, legendary Pokemon come back from in different forms or even some new iterations for the Reggies as well. I thought that was wicked, man. I thought it was awesome. Okay. So let's move into the characters that we, um, I guess, interact with along the way. So the first one, let's talk about our rival, our best friend, our good old mate, Hop. And uh, Hop, he ca- he cops a lot of shit. I don't know. Everyone says like, oh, Hop, he sucks. But I think Hop had an absolutely amazing sort of transformation as he went throughout the game and his character developed really nicely and sort of wrapped itself in a nice little bow at the end of the game, which I thought was cool. So, um, Hop. Um, what can I say about Hop? I don't know. He's just like, he's, um, he's the champion Leon's younger brother. He's comes from your hometown, Postwick Town. Um, and throughout, I don't know, throughout the game, he's sort of just like, you know, he's trying to keep up with you, but then he sort of realizes by the end, like, you know what, I don't have to. Obviously, you're very good at Pokemon battling, so I want to take a different approach. And he wants to become a Pokemon professor and becomes the professor's, uh, um, I guess, trainee or assistant or whatever. So I thought that was pretty cool. And he's also the, the one trainer or the one rival to actually catch another legendary Pokemon, which you have a battle with. Um, at, at the end of the game and this was something that I thought was actually pretty funny that like you know I played Sword so I had Zashian and I think like I one hit Zamazenta <laughs> but apparently if you uh, I don't know any of you guys who played Sword, uh, Shield when you um, go against Zashian Zashian just like I think Bryce told me like Zashian just wrecked him <laughs> just because of its like massive attack 
Just like, oh, shit, shit, <laughs> hop. <laughs> You've become really, really good. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Having Hop uh, take over you like that. Um, all right, let's move on to Leon. And Leon, he is the champion of the Gala region. And everyone loves him. He's, he puts on the show for everyone. He's like the... I don't know. He's like the, the messy, <laughs> I guess, uh, equivalent for this uh, this region. And it's just... Uh, He's just so charismatic. You look up to him. He's the one who actually gives you your starter Pokemon. So you actually get your starter Pokemon from uh, the champion rather than the professor in this game, which is really quite awesome. Just a nice little change. So he has like a lot to do with the story. And, uh, you know, with the darkest day in that, he uh, he actually couldn't do it. He couldn't catch the turn of this. So good old good old Drewy here came and, came and done it. And uh, he has his signature Pokemon. That is Charizard. Which is, you know, it's a bit redundant. I don't know. Charizard at this point, I get it. We all love Charizard. And seeing like this awesome trainer with an awesome Charizard who has like an awesome Gigantamax form. It's really nice. I don't know. It would have been nice to see like a brand new Pokemon get that love. But I don't know. I guess like if, if it was a brand new Pokemon that uh, got that love, then it might feel a bit more weird using that Pokemon. Like, if they just do, do, like, an older Pokemon, which you don't have to worry about, you're like, yeah, well, I'm not going to use Charizard in this playthrough. It's all good. Like, if it was, say, like, one of the Galar starters, then it's like, oh, well, it's just kind of weird if you have that. So, yeah, I, I guess uh, that makes sense. But, yeah, going through the game and seeing Leon, I thought he was uh, he's one of the best champions in the in the series, I think. He's just really charismatic and really likable. And he's also someone who you just, like, you assume, like, is he going to turn out bad? Like, surely not. He seems like... Like, that would be a real twist if they turned Leon bad. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of the more, I guess, fascinating characters. Whoa. Of um, computers lagging out a bit here. Okay. So, one of the more fascinating characters here is actually Bede, which is a uh, really, really, uh, he's a strange character. You really don't like him. He, he kind of resembles more of Silver. Your rival from Gold and Silver back on the Game Boy Color. And he's like, he's one of those characters which actually has a lot of character growth and you learn more about them as they uh, as they go along. So he's one of the rivals in Sword and Shield and he specializes in psychic Pokemon, but is eventually scouted by Opal, who is the fairy type gym leader, to succeed her as the fairy type gym leader and thus changes his specialty type accordingly as the gym leader of the, the fairy gym. And like along the way, like you first run into him like, oh, who are you? What are you doing here? What do you need to, <laughs> what do you need to fucking come up to me for? I'm sick of you. Causes a lot of havoc in some of the scenes as well. But the scene, that transformation uh, where they become the fairy type gym leader. And, uh, you know, at first they really don't want it, but they, they sort of grow into the role and mature and, become all right so what's it here in the game so after the, the player becomes a champion uh hop and the former gym leader pierce head to bologna stadium where uh, while trying to stop blah 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 a more humble trainer now bear swedes will overcome his weakness and his words reach the pinnacle of what fairy types can do because he was just obsessed with becoming like a really strong trainer which you know fair enough you got to become a strong trainer 
in the world of Pokemon. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be a pushover and no one's going to care about you. You know, it's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Everyone, uh, people respect strong trainers. That's why Leon has so much respect. But if you're just uh, doing like a standard job, no one gives a shit. If you're working in the Pokemon Center, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Um, all right. So let's talk about the professor, Professor Magolia. And, uh, you know, she kind of doesn't have like a massive role compared to like pre- like previous professors. Like, you know, Professor Oak is popping up all the time. Professor Elm, he's ringing you on the PokerNav all the time or the poker phone or whatever. But Professor Magalia, she's like, yeah, you know, well, I'm studying Dynamax and Gigantamax and you can do what you want. I didn't even give you your starter Pokemon. You know, I really don't have much to do with you. It's kind of like a grandparent who doesn't really care and doesn't rock up at your birthdays. That's what Professor Magalia is <laughs> kind of like. But like I said, she studies the Gigantamax uh, phenomenon um, and is said that the people of Gala were greatly excited when she presented her findings on gi- on the gi- di- <laughs> Dynamax form uh, some years ago, which led to the use of the phenomenon current in ga- Gala culture. Uh, she once helped Leon and Sonia start their journeys as trainers and uh, gym challenges when they were younger. Magolia first meets the player, blah, 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 on Route 2. That's where her thing is. You actually, you actually battle your rival there as well, which is pretty cool. Uh after the player becomes champion, Magolia appears to be appears before the player at their house and gives them the master ball. So you get your master ball from the professor. I guess that's pretty cool. She's a very generous lady actually giving you the master ball. Um, and she has a bit of guilt as well because she's the one who discovered Dynamax. Which, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Let's talk about Sonia, Professor Magolia's assistant. And, you know, Sonya has a lot to do in the story. She's popping up, like, at most towns and, uh, you know, letting you know what's going on. She She's a she's a big siphon for the story, giving you context for locations and events throughout the game. So Sonya is the granddaughter and assistant of P- Professor Magolia. She is also Leon's childhood friend. Sonya and her partner, Pokemon Yamper, uh, participated in the gym challenge with Leon but eventually dropped out. Sonya spends the duration of the main game just discovering what she wants to do with her life, eventually choosing to pursue the truth behind the legends of the first king of Galar in the darkest day. Together with the player and Hop, she discovers the existence of Zashin, Zamazenta, and Eternatus and pushes her findings in a book, um, a feat that helps her be recognized as a professor, just like her grandmother. So, cool. Cool stuff. So, yeah, Sonya. She's a great character. I love her theme. I'll put it up a bit louder for you. So you actually do hear this like this theme a fair bit as you're going throughout the game. So cool, cool character, cool character. I love, I love all the characters to be honest. All right, let's move on to another really interesting character, another one of your rivals. So this is Marnie. And Marnie is one of the rival characters of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, uh, the others being Hop and Bead. She specializes in dark type Pokemon. She eventually replaces her older brother Piers as the gym leader of her hometown Spike Mo- uh, Mo- Spike Move Spike Move. Yeah, uh, as the Spike Move gym leader, she gives the dark badge to trainers who defeat her. So throughout the game, you're like, you know, who are you? Why are all these goons following following you around? It's just uh, it's a bit much here, lady. And she's got one of the best uh, battle themes as well, which we'll get into when we get to that um, portion of the encore. But yeah, a cool character, cool character development. 
And uh, we'll touch on Team Yell as well because that's a, a big part of uh, her story. So, Team Yell. Based off football goons, real-life football goons, I guess, in the UK, where they're just like all rioting and causing mischief. Um, they're rooting for they're rooting for Marnie. They want her to win all battles. And uh, they just, you know, they're a pain in the ass. They get in the way. They're kind of like <laughs> Team Skull from the Alola region. So Team Yell is a villainous team living in the Gala region, and they are fi- fans of Marnie who wanted to become champion and get more publicity for their hometown Spike Muth. Uh, however, despite their good intentions to form a fan club of sorts, the Grunts begin to take things uh, far too rudely by obscuring Marnie's rivals in their gym challenges and doing anything to prevent them from becoming champion instead without their leader, Piers, knowing. So, yeah, it's interesting when you get to the Spike uh, Muth part of the, the game where you do verse Piers and you sort of learn that you know, it's just a town that uh, is rooting for their team, pretty much, their gym team. And they want Marnie to go well in her gym challenge as he goes throughout the game and eventually becoming gym leader of uh, that gym. So with that as well, we'll uh, go into Piers. So Piers, he is the gym leader of Spike Muth Town, is the captain of Team Yell. He specializes in dark-type Pokemon, and he gives a dark badge to Pokemon who defeat him. During the events of Pokemon Sword and Shield, he retires from the position as gym leader and passes on the title to his little sister, Marnie. Uh, uh, Piers plays a vital role in helping stop the Dynamax Pokemon uh, being created by Swordwood and Shieldbert. I'm not going to go into their story. This happens after the Elite, uh, sorry, the, the Pokemon um, Champion Cup. But anyone who's played the game, played the post game, you play these really weird characters that have like a shield and sword haircut. And it's just ridiculous. And that leads to actually catching Zashin or Zamazenta, depending on what version of the game you have. So having now stepped down as the gym leader following the Champion Cup's conclusion, he accompanies a player and hop to all the stadiums in Galar to help the gym leaders defeat, defeat the Dynamax Pokemon. So yeah, Piers, he has a big role in the game as well, just going around and sort of helping you out, even though at first he's you know very much just like... Got, no, he doesn't want anything to do with you. <laughs> and uh, last... Of the characters I want to talk about here is just like a very funny one. One of the ones that's very iconic to the Galar region uh, is the Bull Guy. But uh, so the Bull Guy is a mascot in the for the Galar Pokemon League. Over the course of the gym challenge, the player will meet a person dressed as a Bull Guy mascot costume um, in or near each stadium lobby, who will give them a variety of Pokeball with each meeting. Is later revealed that the person dressed in the poke- the ball guy is not uh, stationed by the Pokemon League and has been acting on their own volition. <laughs> the true identity is unknown. The player can receive receive the ball guy's league card outside of Monostoke Stadium after they become champion. The ball guy mascot will also reward the player after defeating uh, their title, uh, defending their title in a uh, Winston Stadium, uh, Wind Windon Stadium. Sorry. So yeah, it's just like a funny little thing where it's like, you know, it was a bit of a meme, but just the idea of just like, it's like, wait a second, you're not even official. Like you're just some guy who rocks up at each one. It's just like a, a funny little touch, I feel like, to to the world building. And uh, oh, no, we, we, we got some more actually. We haven't talked about Rose or his assistant 
Yes, so let's talk about Chairman Rose, which uh, you know we talked about a little bit before when we were talking about the darkest day. But uh, Cha- Chairman Rose is the president of president of Macro uh, Cosmos and the chairman of the Galar Re- uh, the Galar Pokemon League. Is the first person to endorse Leon as a champion and is also currently sponsoring Bead's Gym Challenge. He also designed and developed a, a metro- Metropolis uh, Winden which houses the headquarters for both the Pokemon League and uh, Macro Moscos. No, Macro Cosmos, sorry. So, yeah, he, I, he's a cool character throughout the game, and you're just like, look, you seem nice enough, but you're going to be the bad guy. That's just how it's going to go down. Um, so I'm going to click on, just go into Macro Cosmos here, hear more about his actual company. Uh, is a large business conglomerate and an organization based in the Gala region. It's got many subsidiaries as well, which you actually see a lot of in the Pokemon Jobs functionality. It doesn't really have much on it. It's just like a, I guess it doesn't have like a big, uh, <laughs> big reason to exist. It's just like we are a corporation. <laughs> and then when you actually want. When uh, when Rose is actually trying to stop you, he's got like all of his uh, employees trying to stop you, which are all dressed in similar clothing with uh, white, black, and red uniforms. And uh, moving on to his assistant, so uh, Alenia, um, she serves as the vice president of the company. Uh, previous previously, she was a researcher and invite and invented the Dynamax band. Okay, cool. So she invented the Dynamax band. That's cool. Um, yeah, because I, I was always thinking like, yeah, because I actually didn't know she was the vice president necessarily. That's a, that's a little fact that I forgot. So during the climax of Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, Alenia uh, requests the player's help in stopping Ro- Rose's plan to, of using Eternals to bring out the second darkest day. During the post-game, she can be found doing voluntary, <laughs> voluntary community service at the Galar Mine, giving the player Rose's rare league card. And she's got, she's like, just like when you battle her and her expression, she's just like an absolute spastic, the way she <laughs> she puts the expression out. It's just nuts. But yeah, I, I quite enjoyed like, you know, the villains of this game uh, and all the characters. I think they were all fun and had their own sort of own character traits and they were able to, you know, all grow. And I think it's... <sighs> I'm not going to say any, I'm not going to say anything here, but it might be like the best set of characters. No, Sun and Moon had great characters. I'm not sure. I have to really think about it, but it, had, it definitely had like one of the best sort of like core cast of characters that all sort of interacted with one another and grew as the story progressed. Like um, you know, like the first four generations, it didn't have anything like that. Generation 5, I would say that's when it started, just having like a great core cast of characters, like multiple rivals. So out of like the core cast of characters, it would be between like Gen 8, Gen 5, and Gen 7. Those are the three generations I feel like you could put against each other. Like, you know, um, Gen 6 with like all of the rivals, I feel like, you know, no thanks. No thanks. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to some of the locations and towns throughout the Galar region. So let's start off with Postwick, which is a, a small town located at the seven, uh, southern end of the Galar region, and it's the hometown to us when we start the game. 
And there's uh, there's not much going on here. I think there's only five people that live in this town. So it's got our house, Hop and Leon's house. And uh, yes, yeah, that's kind of it. There's not much here. Just a couple of houses. Does that count as a town? Uh, not really. <laughs> but this is where we uh, actually get our first starter Pokemon. And uh, yeah, from Leon, which is very nice of him. He's a nice young man. Next up, we have uh, Wedgehurst Town. Sorry, I'm just waiting for the music kicking there. Uh, we have Wedgehurst Town, which is a small town located um, just next to uh, Postwick Town. And it, you know, it's a bit, bit of a bigger town here. A little bit. Pretty small still. But this is like you know, the first place where like, you know, you go through Route 1 and I remember like experiencing the game for the for the first time and, uh, you know, say, oh, look, there's Pokemon in the wild. You can go up to them and all that. And then, uh, all right, I need to, need to heal my Pokemon. So then, yeah, that's when you have a, you go to your first Pokemon Center. Especially like when you come out of the, the slumbering wield, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, apart from that, there's not too much here. There's some clothing shops, which is cool. I really liked the uh, dressing up feature in these games. I really enjoyed it. I played as a female character and I put like cool boots and jeans and uh, nice jackets on my character. Looks nice and cool. So the slogan for this town is a farming town since the days of old where people and their Pokemon live in close harmony. And that sounds like a lot of the towns. <laughs> uh like a lot of these beginner towns are like, hey, we're a sleepy town that loves life. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Monostoke Town. And uh, Monostoke Town is an industrial city surrounded by steam-powered marvels of modern engineering. And this is like a very much a steampunk sort of inspired aesthetic to this town, like industrial England from way back in the day and here you've got a boutique where you can get items and a Pokemon Center Pokemart you've got a gym here Monostoke Stadium where you can uh, verse leader Kabu uh, and she, he hands out the fire type or the fire badge which is really weird just like you know being a fire badge but like all, all the badges in this region they're just named after the, the type that the gym leader is Let's move on to the Galar Mines, actually. I thought this was like a really nice looking area where you um, progress through to get to a Turfield Town. And Turfield Town is a town nested within the uh, the naturaling bowl of many of our terraced farming fields. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And this, uh, the places of interest here are the, the Turfield Stadium. And there's actually a, a a place here. So on the hillside west of the town is a massive uh, geography geographical uh, that de that depicts the Gigantamax Pokemon beneath, uh, swirling a cloud of darkness. It also depicts figures fleeing from the Pokemon. It can be observed from a hilltop. Uh, where a, a stone journey face board can also be found and interacted with. And I remember, like, this was this was in one of the very first trailers for Pokemon Sword and Shield, and everyone assumed that that was, like, 
the big legendary and that would be Eternatus, but it turned out to be a Dynamax or Gigantamax Toxtricity in the end after we, uh, you know, obviously found out the Pokemon. So that's pretty cool. Apart from that, it just uh, also has the, the gym where you can get the the grass, the grass badge from Milo, which is uh, he's like one of the most baby-faced characters in all of Pokemon. <laughs> All right, next up we have Holbury Town. And Holbury Town is a bustling seaport that many visit to see its lively market stalls and famed restaurant. And uh, this is this is a cool place. So you actually run into Chairman Rose here at the restaurant. You have to go in there to progress the story. You got a train station, Pokemart, uh, and like all of the uh, actually markets here are pretty cool too. So you can get some pretty neat items like there's an incense incense merchant where you can get the rose incense, sea incense, all of that sort of stuff that you uh, actually typically used to need to hatch like a zoomeral from an egg instead of just getting a marrow, which is really annoying, but it's a useful item nevertheless if you need to do that. You can also get some nice hold items here too. And uh, the Captain's Table. So the Captain's Table is a famous seafood restaurant in Holbury. Rose often visits here in, in uh, incognito to eat, but the word always gets out about his presence regardless. Yeah, because he's actually in disguise when you meet him here. And uh, there's also the Water Gym. So you face Nessa for the Water Badge. And Nessa, I think uh, she's one of like the crowd favorites as far as um, gym leaders in this game go. Okay. Next up, we have Hamelock Town, or just Hamelock. Sorry, there's uh, yeah. Just trying to uh, get the the music. It's all falling out of place here. Yeah, Hamelock. <laughs> all right. So Hamelock is is a city of great history, living and thriving within the castle walls that date back to Middle Ages. And he. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's plenty more stuff. You can get your move tutor here, which is interesting. You can get the, the friendship raider, the hammerlock vault. Uh, that is a building located in the west side of the city and is uh, supervised by uh, Rallion, who is uh, the gym leader. It also houses four tapestries depicting the history of Galar and the darkest day. The, play, the player's hammerlock gym mission takes place in the vault. There's the battle cafe and... Uh, yeah, that pre that's pretty much it, apart from Hamlock Stadium, where you go and uh, do the gym battle. All right, moving on to Sloan Side. This is cool music. <laughs> Sloan Side is actually one of those places I actually really love going to as well, just like for its aesthetics. So a vibrant town that has grown up around ancient an ancient mural tucked away in the mountains, and this is where you sort of learn more about the darkest day. There's a big mural there. Um, there's the stadium where you get the fighting badge if you defeat B. Um, but there's also, there's also a ghost gym um, with Alistair, if, uh, depending on what version of the game you're playing. Um, the mural, so at the northest point of the town with up two flights of stairs, is a colourful recreation of an ancient mural uh, covered by a large stone wall. During the game story, Bede attempts to destroy the mural to find wishing stars, causing it to collapse. The mural's collapse reveals a hidden chamber and contains statues of Zashian Zamzenta and the two uh, kings of ancient Galar. 
It's got a bargain shop there as well, which I actually, it actually kept me coming back to this town every day. So every day there's um, something different um, that the shopkeeper might offer you. And they actually give you hints for what might be coming the next day as well. So you'll be able to get like battle items such as a black belt, black glasses, black sludge, uh, um, a t- like charcoal chip pot or a cracked pot to evolve um, a particular Pokemon, uh, magnets, and also like protectors, um, razor claw, reaper cloth to evolve um, other certain Pokemon as well. So yeah, a cool little town. I, I enjoyed coming to this every single day to see what they give me until I... Eventually didn't need anything because I was just so rich with items. Yeah. And Glimwood Tangle, actually. This is a, a place just near the near the town. But um well, near the town I'm gonna to talk about. Uh was it Ballerina? Ballonina. Baller Ballonina. Ballerina town. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, let's move on to that. So, Glimwood Tangle, though, uh, like this location, particularly in this part of the game, is one of the most beautiful parts of the the game. Like, you know, Sword and Shield in the wild area and stuff, you know, the graphics, you know, they look a bit bit rough, but especially in, like, these bits in the Glimwood Tangle and the town, it's just, like, with the lights and all the fairy um, sort of mood going on, it looks absolutely awesome. So let's uh, let's move on from there. Go to Balonina. Balonia. 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 Sorry, everyone. So Balonia is a charming town where the people make their homes among the trunks of towering trees. And here you'll find Balonia Stadium. Balonia. Balonia. Fucking. I'm sorry, everyone. (laughs) I'm just trying to pronounce this word. So the stadium, this is where you get the fairy type gym. Um, and Opal will give you the fairy badge if you defeat her. And apart from that, there's not too much. There's actually a, there's an interesting side quest in this game. I can't quite remember what it was all about. Yeah, I think that was like a... I can't quite remember, sorry. But like, yeah, I just remember like talking to all the people in this area and, you know, they all had interesting stuff to say, but um, my bit on Bowlpedia does not have any information about it. But it is what it is. All right, let's move on to Churchester. And Churchester uh, comprises a... Oh, sorry. Um, the slogan for this is buildings from an age long gone still stand about streaming hot springs that cover the town. And it's like a within like the snow portion of the game. And yeah, it's just like this is actually another area that looks really nice, especially at night time. There's uh it was in one of the first trailers for Sword and Shield as well, now I think about it. They're <laughs> showing all the nice looking areas. <laughs> and uh, like all the lights on the snow and all that. It looks it looks really great. Um, so in this area, you'll be able to find Churchester Stadium. And this uh, place actually has two gym leaders. So you might versus Gordy if you have Pokemon Sword. He's a rock specialist. You'll be able to get the rock badge. Or you'll be able to verse Melanie, who's an ice type specialist. And you'll get the ice badge if you beat her. So pretty cool. I, um, yeah, I, I verse Gordy. 
Which is actually kind of weird. Because like, you come to a snow town, it's like, oh, I'm a rock gym leader. I'm like, I don't know. So, yeah, I'll get the verse Melanie one day when I get to play the game. Or play Shield again. Uh, apart from that, there's uh, not a whole lot here. There's a hair salon where you'll be able to, like, change your hair, which is cool. There's the Hero's Bath, which is, like, one of the more prominent areas within the town. And the Hero's Bath is known as Churchester Bath, an ancient stone pillar st structure containing a rectangular hot spring located at the center of Churchester. According to legend, the two heroes who saved Galar from the darkest day bathed in the Hero's Bath to heal and rest. There's the Move Tutor. There's also a big hotel as well where you'll be able to um, verse certain... Uh, I guess people there's also like members from Game Freak in these hotel rooms you can go and verse this is where you'll get like your Pokemon certificate and uh, your shiny charm and uh, the charms for completing the Pokedex which is really uh, one of the best items you can get in the game if you're a shiny hunter very useful alright let's move on to Spikemuth Town what we talked a little bit earlier and the slogan for this is a rocking town that has a punk vibe and streets crammed with shops lined lined up cheek cheek by Joel. Yeah, I guess that's what it says. So yeah, lots of shops. But when when you get here, it's pretty much just like all run down, not much to do, and it's just like one big straight street until you get to piers, and uh, you can actually do the gym. But apart from that, there's not not too much to do here. Um, there's a Pokemon Center where you can get some HMs and stuff, but there is like kind of like no reason to revisit this town, which is a little bit of a shame. It's, it's kind of much like it is very much of a retread of what happened in Sun and Moon, where Team Skull took over a town. Whereas like this was this always was the town, but it's a very much similar thing where it's a town just occupied by the bad team, which you know in in these games they're not really a, a bad team. I don't think anyway. I think they're just annoying. All right, so let's talk about Winden. So the slogan for this one is, a booming metropolis was designed and developed by our very own Chairman Rose. And here, there are there's lots of things to do here. So there's the Winden Stadium, where the Pokemon League is. There's a Rose of Rollins. So the Rose of Rollins is a five-star hotel located in the west side of the city. It is an elegant Gothic and Victorian building, which from the outside exposes a V-shaped building with several small windows, brick chimneys, and blue roofs. In the main building, there are two particular a cupola and a clock tower. And there's a battle cafe. There's the Rose Tower, which is also the battle tower, which you can participate at the end of the game. There's a Winden Stadium as well. Yeah. Boutiques, all that, plenty of stuff to do. It's a big city. I always, I like, I always enjoy like flying around to a lot of these places and just like checking out the clothes and stuff <laughs> post game. And uh, when you're doing EV training, the Pokemon Center here is actually where you get all your um, items to increase your stats as well. So probably keep you coming back for that. So cool place, cool place. And uh, last but not least, there's actually a town in the DLC on the uh, Crown Tundra. So there's Freezington. Good old Freezington, eh? <laughs> and this is a really small town, but what's cool about this is this is like the only town in the game where you get a free camera like you do in the wild area. 
So the DLC, like, they really improved what Sword and Shield did with the wild area, um, just graphically and having more stuff in it and making it feel a little bit more alive. So Freezing 10 actually being able to run into the town and still have that camera control was really cool because unfortunately that was something we didn't have in the main sort of land of Gala. But yeah, running around this town is really nice. It's just like snow-soaked sort of atmosphere. And, uh, you know, there's there's a, a sort of an inn here where you can um, rest. There's the mayor of the town's house. There's a statue. Um, yeah, it's like really small. There's not too much to do here. It just acts as your hub for the Crown Tundra story. And that's all of the towns. We didn't talk about all the areas. We'll be here forever. <laughs> I don't want to take too much of your time. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I Actually, I love all of the towns and that throughout the game. I think it's really, really fantastic how they, uh, how they do it all. So let's move into some music, the battle themes for all of the all of the region. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. Uh, this is the the part of the series which I really I really never get sick of because all the music has been awesome. And uh, on previous episodes, we'd run through like some battle music, but I thought I'd just put it all together and go through it as like one by one and sort of think about what we think about each theme each character, and, uh, you know, move on from there. See where the conversation takes us. So the first up is the wild battle, so the wild Pokemon battle theme. And when I first heard this at E3, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that, because, like, the bit at the start could be annoying, but I've come around and I like it quite a bit. It's definitely not my favorite, like, wild Pokemon battle thing, but it's fun, nevertheless. Alright, so we win against that. Congratulations, get some XP. Oh, you got a level? Well done. Now, this is Hop's battle theme. And it's alright, it's pretty cool. Once again, it's not my favorite music in the game, but it's it's uh, good enough. It, it sort of uh, captures Hop's charismatic personality and uh, yeah, keeps us entertained. Next up, we got Battle with the Mysterious Being. And this is one of the battles at the very start of the game when you versus Zashian or Zamazenta, which, guys, let's talk about that. That was such a cool touch where you versus the Pokemon at the very start of the game. I thought that was awesome. But you don't know who it is, you don't know what they're gonna do, and you can't attack them. just love like the music when it's got like the, the wolf house in there. It sounds awesome. Alright, so let's move on to the battle trainer music. Oh, 
And you know what? It's not, it's not one of my favourite trainer themes by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I like it. I, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it does the job. I don't know if it's going to be on any of you guys' uh, like top sort of battle themes, but it's cool, nevertheless. See, like usually like the wild Pokemon theme and the battle theme from trainers, I actually really, really like... But this time around, man, it's they're good, but they're not awesome. But I think like some of the the music from some of your rivals and that going forward is like what really makes me go. This game has a really awesome soundtrack. So this one is this is probably the one you've heard the most if you've been playing a lot of post game. Uh, moving on to Battle uh, Max Raid. So you would have heard this a lot. <laughs> Oh no, look at how big it is. Sounds weird without the Pokemon to cry there, actually. Yeah, it does. Usually you're just like... <laughs> something like that in the, in the background. And this is the part when... Uh, <laughs> the Soul Rock just keeps using <laughs> really bad moves and you lose the you lose the match like oh for fuck's sakes man all right let's uh let's move on to the team yell battle theme Pretty cool. Still not my favorite one yet. Let's move on to uh, Bede's battle theme. I always enjoyed Versing Bead. I, I really like that theme song. Still not my favourite yet, though. I reckon the best in the game is the one we can actually find in the gyms. So let's enter the gym, everyone. Because, like, the challenge music when you're battling a gym leader is unreal. It sounds awesome. So let's dive into that right now. So we're coming up to the gym leader. I should press on the wrong one. <laughs> Here's the battle music. <laughs>
how funky how funky is that? That is so awesome. I've listened to so many remixes of this. It's uh, it's scary. I was on SoundCloud for like you know probably like a night, <laughs> Just listening to as many of these as possible. And if you want a really awesome uh, remix of this, Glitch X City does a really cool gym leader battle remix. So I reckon battle like the gym battle music be one of my favorite tracks. But it's definitely competing with uh, another one out there. But what I really liked about the music in this game especially was, say, like, when the trainers would talk to you as, like, they're sending out their last Pokemon. They would say something like, oh, whatever it is. But then the music would change. So it would actually change to this, where it just, like, becomes, like, a bit more muffled. And it just felt awesome, especially with like all the crowd sounds out in the background like the stadium's just going nuts even though like you know Game Freak's animations you know they'll they weren't like the most advanced things so it's just people like pumping their fists and they're just doing like the same sort of motions the whole time but I love this being like a little bit of an interval within the battle with like a bit of a story moment and that's something we started with Pokemon Black and White which is really cool Alright, I've actually lined it up pretty well here. So one of uh, another one of my favorite themes here is when you battle your rival Marnie. And Marnie, you know, it makes sense that she has some of the best music because she's got a big fan base. <laughs> so they've got to they've got to hype her up with some cool tunes. Yeah, man, I love that. And that's, that's another one. I think I've uh, saved that many remixes of the Marnie battle theme as well. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Um, there's actually another version of this coming up in the Pokemon League, which I... Yeah, we'll decide if um, which one's better, the normal one or that one. So let's, uh, let's move on because uh, let's move on because uh, Gym Leader Piers actually has his own battle music as well, which is... Which is neat, having a gym leader have their own unique music. But I guess it's like a, a similar thing to, you know, G Giovanni being the leader of Team Rocket, also a gym leader. Um, Pierce is also the leader of Team Yell, which is a weird sort of team to be a part of. I don't know if you want to have that name. Like, oh, yeah, so I run a team called Team Yell. They yell a lot. But anyway. Um, the moment just before this as well, it's like one of the most awkward moments of the game <laughs> so I'll talk about a bit later Yeah, so just before this uh, this battle here, 
there's actually a moment where Pierce is singing and uh, obviously with Pokemon there's no voice acting so it's just like text and moving mouth and it's uh, one of the most awkward sort of moments of the, the game just like it shows like kind of shows maybe Pokemon's age um, just not moving on to voice acting and some some more stuff you might expect from, from a series that makes that much money but anyway it is what it is so let's take a bit of a, a break here so we're about to move on to music from the Pokemon League Cup but uh, I've also got some battle music from the DLCs that were put out and the DLC we don't have like too much there's like you know some some uh, battle music from the legendary Pokemon and some of the main characters but apart from that it's not too much so we've got like a couple of rivals from the uh, Isle of Armor so we've got Avery and Clara and they're basically two rivals you have uh, depending on what version of the game you have and it doesn't really do too much for me but they're, they're pretty like quirky characters so the music sort of resembles that being really quirky and weird And Avery, which is uh, playing now, this is actually not the one I played, so I haven't heard this music in-game before. Pretty cool, though. I like all like the, the computer sounds in the background. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I quite like that. That's a nice little cool little beat there. I love the drums in it as well. Move on to Clara's theme. Clara's the one I face. She's like the, <laughs> she's the character that actually had like, looks like the dust ox in her hair, which actually everyone was like, oh, there's going to be Galarian dust ox, which didn't turn out to be real in the DLC, unfortunately. Another dust ox form would have been cool, but not to be. I like it. Cool. Um, next up, we have a battle with Mustard. This is the first time you battle him. Pretty funky. 
They got the trumpet from Holland in there. I love it, actually. That's really groovy. I like that. <laughs> and we have another uh, theme from Mustard being the final battle. So let's see if that changes it up very much. Because I always like, like the final battle stuff. They always uh, put up the stakes a lot more. Ooh. Fighting mustard, gotta beat him, gotta kill his cub foo. Let's move on to the Crown Tundra music. So this is a, a battle with Peony, who was actually a relative to Chairman Rose. Brothers, I believe. Yeah. So this is a battle with him. We got the battle with the, the two horse Pokemon, uh, Galastra and Spectra. I really like this one actually. Just like when it gets into all this. Yeah, I remember when I was versing them for the first time, I actually I had it on my TV and I was just I just left it there for five minutes or so just listening to the music. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. I, I don't know, I think it's just like just like the bass in the drums. Doom 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 Like it just like gets me. Absolutely love it. So this is the Galarian Legendary Birds theme.
Sounds, sounds cool. I don't know if I'd like listen to it by itself, but very nice. And now we have the battle with the legendary Titans, which are the brand new Reggie Pokemon. Reggie Alecki and Reggie Draco. Which is the same. <laughs> Take me back to the Harwin region. That is a very nostalgic uh, theme, actually. <laughs> I actually, I actually haven't gone and caught them because I, um, I'm, I want to get them shiny, but at the same time, I can't be bothered shiny hunting them because it's just so much work. <laughs> so I just haven't bothered. But the before we jump to the Champions Cup side of things and wrap up this uh, episode, thank you very much for sticking around this long into the show. Definitely, really appreciate it, especially when I'm stumbling over my my words as I'm trying to. Trying to keep my mouth nice and nice and moist so I can actually talk. I reached out on the House of Mario Discord community, uh, just ha- having just getting some thoughts from some of our uh, community members just about the Gala region and uh, Sword and Shield games. So the first one is from Eggmod, who is a fantastic podcaster over on the Blowing Cartridges podcast. Zach, as he is known in the real world, so Zach says. Ah, Gala, you'll probably go down as the most controversial region in history and for a completely understandable reasons. Um, a lot of hope was going to Generation 8 as the first spin-off Pokemon RPGs coming out on a home console. To be clear, the GameCube games are spin-offs from my perspective. Yes, they are because they are not by Game Freak and they're a bit more wacky going on. People were hoping for stunning visuals and more open world and more things to do and well we didn't quite get that. While I certainly felt disappointed at the whole uh, Dexgate situation, as someone that always appreciated having choice to use any Pokemon in the game, I understood the challenge this presents on developers and did ultimately enjoy my experience with the game. The story was certainly a bit rushed but I felt engaged and motivated to keep progressing, seeing more of the world and, more importantly, the new Pokemon. I think Galar really shines with some of the Pokemon designs. I think the Gigantamax uh, Dynamax was a fantastic new feature that was much better than Z-moves. I think lore-wise I prefer Mega Evolutions, but mechanically the idea of locking the feature to Pacific Battles was smart as it made those milestone battles way more exciting compared to those, say, in X and Y, where I Mega Evolved when I was fighting even at the most uh, (laughs) minuscule of trainers. DLC, I think, was fantastic. I much preferred the journey both packs presented and exploring the uh, new open worlds was quite fun. I think going forward, I want them to stick to DLC to avoid third versions and I hope they continue to tell more Pokemon stories that aren't based around the Pokemon League or gym leaders such as this. Outside of the video games, I cooled off a bit into the Pokemon card game until this year 
with the 25th year anniversary and got me interested again. It sucks to see the increased scalping and inflation of the cards, though. I also jumped back into the anime for a little while and watched Pokemon Journeys. I haven't watched much of the anime since Hoenn, and it was pretty pretty good. Uh, it was weird to see an anime series not focused on the new region of Pokemon, but instead more about exploring the world and various regions uh, that have clearly inspired by Pokemon Go. So, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with all that. Like, you know, the story, especially at the end, you're just sort of like... What were you? What were you thinking? But I've sort of, um, you know, touched on what my thoughts were. But I think uh, mine and Zach's line up pretty well with one another. And another uh, member of our community, the lovely Delfino Durians, uh, she says uh, they could have done a lot more with the bead, um, bead the fairy, Jim. So what she said here, uh, they could have done a lot more with bead. Full stop. Gotcha. Uh, the fairy Jim colors literally match the trans flag but it's too much of a risk to release the game internationally with a trans character in it. Also, Marnie did not do a lot either besides look cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Marnie, like, you know, I guess she should have just, like, she went throughout the gym challenge and then she took over her brother as the gym leader. I don't know. She didn't have as much character growth as a lot of the other characters or the other rivals in particular. But I think she she did enough to sort of warrant her character. I quite enjoyed it. She was always very calm around very angry and loud people, which I think was a, a fun character trait of hers. And as far as like the bead sort of thing goes, um, I think there's a lot of uh, discussion about like, you know, is bead, are they male, female? Are they, are they trans? Are they like non-gendered or whatever? And it would be interesting to like, you know, tackle a story like that or well, not even tackle a story like that, but just have a character that represents that, especially when you've got so many characters in the game and you could sort of uh, put out there that, you know, this is a, a trans character. Cool. The only thing, the only thing I've, um, I could say against that though was people like, you know, in, in that community, I feel like, you know, a lot of people might take it maybe the wrong way, being like, you know, the big... <laughs> the bad character in the game, the rude one, the one you know you don't like, they are the one who got made trans rather than the friendly rival, for example, like Hop or like a character like that. Maybe it could be taken the wrong way. Maybe they didn't want to put that out there, but I don't know. It's interesting because I think there should be some reputa- representation as far as that goes in a kid's game. It doesn't have to like hit you over the head with it. I hope it doesn't hit you over the head with it, but just be like, yeah, no, like here's this character. Because it's kind of like um, a lot of like, you know, female characters in games or male characters in games, just like a character you can point towards and go, that's cool. That's similar to me. So I think, you know, more representation in series like Pokemon and even other Nintendo properties, it's just uh, something Nintendo doesn't do very well. Or maybe apart from Birdo. They do it with Birdo and it's been in the, the manual of Mario Brothers 2 for, for years. So maybe they maybe they're ahead of the time on the Birdo front. But as far as like other human characters, not so much. But guys, thank you very much for writing in there. Really do appreciate it. And we're we're on the home stretch here. So let's uh let's have uh, the battle music with Chairman Rose play. And you Oh, you can tell he's bad. Oh no, you're that bad. You got buddy Emperor music. got all steel Pokemon as well, so if you can, if you got some fire types, you'll be right. 
That's Shaman Rose. Big bad music. And let's, uh, let's move to the final battle with Hop. And Hop, he's, uh, you know, he's got some good battle music. It's not, not my favorite, like I said before, but I think like this final version or remix of it is uh, really quite cool. cool about having like all your sort of rivals and that come and be like the equivalent of the Elite Four is you actually kind of get multiple champion themes because like the champion themes are always usually like slappers just absolutely slappers and uh, it's no different than this so let's move on to the final uh, battle music for Marnie and Marnie you know this one's going to be a banger because Marnie's got bloody awesome music That's one I could sit there and just like listen to on loop, I reckon. It's so good. Just like uh, the normal Marnie music just taken up to that new level. So in the Champions Cup, so the Champions Cup, it, it takes place of the Pokemon League, which is pretty cool. It's like more of like a tournament style battle rather than just you have to beat the Elite Four and congratulations, you beat them, then you move on. So you versus Marnie, Hop, Bead, you versus Nessa. And depending on what version of the game you have, you versus B or Alistair. Then you versus Raihan, which is actually the dragon type uh, gym leader. Then you versus Leon. So let's uh, let's move into uh, Champion Leon's battle music. And I've got to be honest, guys, like Champion Leon's music. It's just like a bit of a rehash of like a previous song in the Pokemon series. Just like, you know, the opening title screen, for example. There's like lots of bits to it, but I actually love like this the, the crowd sounds and like all of uh, the battle music. It just makes it feel so much more grand. Which uh, you know, Pokemon didn't have until it came to the Switch, where like the music became like a bit more rich, a bit more full. Like uh, 
because it's a big, such a big step from <laughs> the 3DS to the Switch. It's just unreal. So after this, we become the champion. We defeat Leon. Congratulations. We are the brand new champion of the Gala region. Yes. Well done. So, that brings us almost to the end. We've completed the story. We are the champion. Well done. But afterwards, after the game is finished, we have a couple more things to do. So, we've got two more songs to play. We've got the battle with Zashian and Zamazenta, which uh, is one of my uh, one of my favorites from the game. It's a big standout from from the, the titles. And um, it's very... Uh, it's something I think about whenever I think about the games. So yeah, congratulations. You got your Zamazenta or, <laughs> or Zashian. Well done. Now, one of the coolest themes in the whole game is actually one that was uh, co-produced by Toby Fox, the creator of Undertale. And he done the battle music for the battle tower that is actually Rose Tower that you have access to at the end of the game. So without further ado, let's jump into that one because everyone was really excited about this because Undertale has unreal music and all the music and everything in that game was created by Toby Fox. So having a track in Pokemon was uh, really, really awesome. So this is one of the best ones in the whole game. Definitely one of the top three, I would say, alongside the gym theme and Marnie's battle theme. So let's go. One of my favorites. This is awesome. It's another one I've listened to a lot of remixes about. And yeah, just absolutely awesome. Especially when you're going through the battle tower, you just listen to this all the time. It's uh, really nice. Really nice just to be able to <laughs> play this all the time. So it's, uh, you know, a few of these tracks, you know, while, you know, the, the wild Pokemon music and the trainer theme aren't like my favorites of all time. Um, there, there are some bits of music in here that have just bumped the soundtrack right up to 100. 
But this is this brings us to the end of the encore. Everyone, thank you very much for listening to this. If you got this far, I'm going to um, actually put out a hashtag for you to put on social media. Just see see who listened to it because getting this far into a solo podcast, I really do appreciate it. Um, I know, like you know, some of my stuttering and like trying to figure out what <laughs> some names are. I'm like, Ugh. it can be a bit hard to listen to. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, we'll do the hashtag exploring the Galar region with Drew. Exploring the Galar region with Drew. Put that onto Twitter or at me, at iDruby, or even put it into the House of Mari Discord community. There's a link in the show notes. If you're not a part of that Discord community, it's a great place where we all catch up, talk about Nintendo, Pokemon, games, life itself, and just have a really nice, close-knit community. It's nice and small, so, you know, if you want to actually make uh, relationships instead of just... uh, being scrolled past like a lot of big Discord communities out there. It's a great place for that. So, anyway, guys, thank you very much. And the doors to Encore at the House of Mario are closed. I'll catch you later.